This is episode 407 of the AWS podcast, released on November 10, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast, Simon Leach here with you. Great to have you back and we're continuing with our very special series about the well-architected framework and today we're talking about cost optimization, which is a, a topic near and dear to my heart if you've ever heard me celebrating our price drops and I'm joined by a very special guest and an old colleague of mine, I'm joined by Nathan Besh. G'day Nathan. Simon, how are you going? I am well. Now Nathan, you've got uh, what, seven years now at AWS, tell us a bit about your journey. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a long journey, but an exciting one. I started life out as a TAM, working with their enterprise customers, uh, which was great. You know, working very closely with customers, really helping them adopt the cloud uh, and overcome some of the challenges moving across there, which was good. Uh, I was then a TAM manager for a couple of years, and now and always always working with cost optimization. I, I sort of identified that early on uh, as a space where it was uh, quite good to work and very beneficial for our customers, really helping them get them most out of what they're doing in the cloud, which sort of led to the final role here at Well Architected. So helping customers understand what the best practices are for the cloud and developing a lot of material as well to help them be able to implement the best practices. Now, just to de- decode the the TAM nomenclature, it's a technical account manager, which means that uh, Nathan got to deal with a lot of uh, the day-to-day operations in some of our largest customers. So he got to see uh, a lot of the, the real world sort of... Uh, um, implementation uh, opportunities and challenges and benefits, et cetera. And probably one of the things that's been least paid attention to or maybe least well understood as we've transitioned into cloud being the way we do IT is is around cost and cost optimization. And just to, to give, I guess, some, some, some color from my own perspective is one of the challenges of the past was that the people building the systems, um, be they programmers or architects, rarely had access to or exposure to the cost of the components they were using to build those systems. So, for example, you'd, you'd know you had some servers, but you didn't know how much they cost to run. You certainly didn't know how much the data center cost to construct, et cetera. Yet we've really turned it on its head, Nathan, and, and now, now we know everything <laughs> about what everything costs. And, and that's been a bit of a shock to the system for some people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, if, if I could go back 10 years, it would be great to reach out to the finance people and say, hey, cloud's coming. This is going to completely change your job. Uh, this is something, you know, you've really got to change your approach and change the skill set. Uh, it has been a very big shakeup to that industry. You know, you've gone from once every three or five years purchasing or leasing out some hardware, some tin in a data center to every single hour or many times an hour, your resources can change. If you look at something like the bill shows this really well. If you look at an old bill, a couple of lines every month or so. Now with the cloud, you've got very much detailed cost and usage data. Some customers are over a billion lines a month. Now, it sounds big and scary, but at the same time, it's a big data problem. Chances are within customers' organizations, there's a big data project somewhere. So if you approach it with that right mindset, with the right tooling, then it becomes a much easier challenge to sort of uh, get progress and start moving on as well. But yeah, definitely, it really has changed how we approach finance and IT uh, and definitely how we manage it is probably the biggest thing, managing a lot more information, going from a few lines to over a billion lines. There's a massive amount of opportunity to be able to affect the bill. You know, in the old thing, 
the old way, you couldn't change your bill. Whereas now in the cloud, you can actually change it. You can decrease your bill. So being able to tap into that data analyze it, make positive changes, and have massive benefits to every organization and all of our customers. So let's jump into, into some of those changes. So one of the big changes to the uh, the cost optimization pillar is around something called cloud financial management or CFM. Uh, decode that for us. Yeah, so this is something that um, previously in the well-architected framework, there was a, a section called stakeholders, making sure that you're working with the right people. We work with our cloud economics team internally, and we've really matured this content a lot. So it's now the first thing in well-architected. It's also the first question in the well-architected tool because it's so important. Think of cost optimization as the things you, you, you need to do to, to reduce your costs and increase efficiency. Cloud financial management is more how you're going to implement that change in the organization. It's a much more wider umbrella, talking about things such as obviously engaging with stakeholders, implementing cultural change across your organization making sure that cost becomes ingrained in all of your organization-wide processes. You're doing a quick check on the cost of a change inside your regular change management process is now going to be a thing. So that's what cloud financial management is. It's really about helping the organization to change and adapt. It's the how you're going to implement cost optimization. So really much more of that broader business focus to be able to have that change. You know, we mentioned before that the finance teams have got to change the organization has to change this is how you're going to implement that change this is the guide to doing that i think that's a really important distinction because we spent a long time you know speaking with developers and helping them understand hey if you, you know, turn your stuff off it won't cost you anything or making a particular decision about a class of storage or a server type you can save money uh, but there's only so far they can go really it comes down to the, the people who control the, the finances at the organizational level that we really have to engage with yeah, and if I was to be a bit critical of the industry, you know, I, I sort of every now and then I step back and think it's 2020 and we're still telling people to turn things off. And, you know, this year we've seen a lot of that actually happen. People have turned things off and they've realised great savings. And to me, we're not really in a good place in the industry. I think the fact that we're still giving people the same message that we have for the last five, 10 years, it's still not getting through. And we've really got to take a different approach. And that's why, again, you know, we've put clown financial management first and foremost, leading with the, the short-term tactical turn things off messaging. I don't think it's having enough impact. It's not getting us where we need to be. You know, we look at cost optimization, cloud financial management. We need to parallel that. We think about the security approach our customers have. They've got teams, they've got processes, they've got resources dedicated to doing that. We've got to build that out for cost optimization and cloud financial management. We've got to hire dedicated people People, processes, and tools all need to be rolled out. So I think that's why we're really pivoting. Less focus on the tactical, because as I said, it's just not having the impact it should. So we're going to move more towards cloud financial management, tackle it from the organization, get good, consistent understanding of what the organization's objectives are around cost, and implementing programs successfully around that. Now, related to that that evolution of, of managing cost and how we view cost, one of the, the newer things that have been rolled into this uh, this iteration is the, the concept of savings plans. And, and I guess I wanted to dive into, you know, is, is this the end of RIs or reserved instances, which we're, we're very familiar with, and, and how do they differ? So let's, let's decode that for folks. Yeah, and I think 
Looking at the changes, you know, we're releasing a lot more instance types. We've got the, the Nitro platform uh, and we're able to, we've seen an explosion of different instance types and offerings to our customers. There's now much more variety in what our customers can run so that they can find the perfect type of resource for their workloads. So with that, we've given them more flexibility and that's what savings plans really deliver. Under the hood, they behave very similar to RIs in the way that they're applied, the discount levels as well. But the key around savings plans is that flexibility. You no longer have to track and make sure you're running a particular type of instance or a particular type of resource. As long as you're running something somewhere, they'll apply. So we've seen some really big flexibility changes around operating systems and things like regions and also other services, which is quite exciting. The move to serverless, things like Lambda are now included in savings plans by default, which is a massive, massive benefit. And again, it gives the customers the ability to choose the way that they want to do their processing and still get the same discounts. And I guess the thing that you know, it isn't as clearly visible is the management overhead. There was convertible RIs, but that meant that the customers had to make the changes. So there was operational costs involved. That's now removed. You know, they automatically apply. They automatically apply to give the biggest discounts mm. on the customer's bill. Uh, so that's now removed as well. That makes it a lot easier, which is a, a very important part there. Now, another thing that I think is fascinating that you've added into the pillar is is a topic we probably haven't talked much about in the past, which is which is licensing and third party commitments. Why is this a focus all of a sudden? Yeah, um, we've seen some changes in the industry. The way that software, we think, you know, back in the tin age, you'd buy some software and you'd run it. And in the move for vendors to go towards SaaS-based offerings, the change in the way that customers are purchasing software is change is changing a fair bit. We've seen some things in industry over the last year or two where vendors have changed their terms of pricing, which has really impacted the cost of running that for our customers. So I think it really now, if you look at the total cost of a particular workload, licensing really now has to be well thought of. It's not just a simple purchase when you start using the workload and you're okay, it's now a case of you're going to have to purchase that license each and every year and they may change it on you. So really think about the impact. If your licensing agreements change on you, how will that impact your costs? And we've seen significant changes from vendors um, within the last year or two around that, where, as I said, it, it now costs customers a lot more to run the software that they want to run, how they want to run it. So it's becoming more restrictive. So just making sure that customers are aware of that upfront and also making sure that we've seen some interesting pricing agreements that look okay, i.e. they scale with your cost, uh, you know, something like 5% of your, your, your cloud bill, so to speak, which sounds good the more you use, the more you pay. But as long as they offer value, so if your bill goes up, but the particular software is not giving you any benefits, should you pay extra? Helping customers understand what is a very beneficial agreement for them and what's going to give them the best value is something we've tried to address and to help give them that understanding. Tie it to your outcomes, tie it to the value that that software is giving you, and that's going to be the best agreements. I think that that value piece is really important. The the other thing I think you you, you really called out was that uh, that move from some of the more restrictive licensing to some of the broader licensing technologies and and a lot of the open source databases in particular have proved to become really popular with customers in terms of 
a cost lever as well as a functionality lever they can pull. Yeah, absolutely. And we've definitely seen that the move, the explosion in open source, they're no longer a possible alternative. They're very much a primary choice in, in choosing software. And as you said, the flexibility to be able to change your workloads, migrate and port those workloads as well, having that open source flexibility is a very good feature. So when we think about cost, what is the, the biggest challenge you, you see in this domain? Um. I would probably say, and the focus for the rest of this year and probably next year is really around goals and targets. We expect costs to go down and we expect our builders and our engineers to make things cheaper. But why do we expect that? You know, is it their job? Is it in their job description that they have to make efficient systems? If they build a workload and it goes down at two o'clock in the morning, typically they've got to fix it. So, you know, they've obviously got some some interest in making sure that it's reliable, but is there any interest in them making it cheap? And that's what I'd really challenge. As an organization, why do you expect your teams to build cost-efficient workloads? Is there any drivers towards doing that? So I think having goals and targets is, is something that's going to be the key driver and a key way to implement change in an organization. Definitely putting goals and targets on people. You know, it is now a job of the DevOps, the engineer, the builders to make a cost-efficient system. It's it's your job. So we need to make sure that there's some goals and KPIs around that. But more importantly, the workloads. And I think when customers move to cloud, they're not doing the same things they used to do because there's so much more capability. The The ecosystem of the cloud is much, much more rich. So they're doing things that they couldn't possibly do before, and they're doing more of it. So you come to cloud to do more things. So expecting your bill to decrease may not be realistic because you know, you're doing 10 times what you used to do, and you're doing more things. So moving away from looking at the bill to looking at efficiency is key. How many you know, web pages are you serving per dollar? How many reports or customers are you serving per dollar? That's the key efficiency metric. And I think putting a goal on every workload, when you develop a workload, X9s of availability, of course it must be secure, it needs to have certain amount of throughput, and needs to have an efficiency metric of X number of workload outcomes per dollar. As soon as you put that goal, that metric, the target on a workload, the whole organization then has to obviously move along with that. So, okay, we need to develop this workload and it needs to have this amount of efficiency. You instantly are able to monitor that and track it over time so you can get better. So I think, yeah, goals and targets are going to be the number one thing moving forward to make sure organizations are looking at the right thing, you know, efficiency, not just their bill, because they're doing things differently, uh, and really help motivate the people in the organization to change. And I really like that that focus on sort of that almost per transaction cost, because this is why we do need to be engaging with, with a broader cohort of people within an organization, because... We can, you know, to be trite about it, we can build anything. (laughs) Like we have the technology, we have the capability. But for most companies, particularly if you're a for-profit company, you're supposed to make money on what you're doing. And if you can't even determine what it costs for you to service a customer, you may be losing money with every transaction where you don't intend to. So having being able to really tie it closer together, I think is hugely valuable from purely a commercial standpoint. Absolutely. But it also just helps conversations within the business. If your bill goes up by 10%, yet your revenue goes up by 400%, that's a reason for celebration. <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> you're, hoping, 
<laughs> exactly. Yet, if finance gets a bill and it goes up and they can't see that, then they may be frustrated. So we've got the business telling the people to build, build, build. Marketing's driving consumption. It's highly successful. It's getting used. You're getting great revenue. Yet the finance team is saying, my bill's going up. And then you've got that that tension between the team saying, we should be celebrating with being successful. No, 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 your bill's going up. You're doing something wrong. So there's a lot of unnecessary tension there. So having that shared understanding, that common efficiency metric, you know, we're doing more for every dollar. We're getting better. It just really removes that tension because you've got that shared, uh, the shared thing to look at, the shared thing to measure. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that it really drives. It removes the tension. And as yeah, I said, you come a to common the advantage. It creates that common language yeah. about what you're trying to achieve together. Absolutely. As I said, you're, you're here in the cloud to do things differently. Don't expect your bill to be the same. It should not be. It should be less. Maybe it's more because you're going to be doing a lot more. So I think that's just how you understand and measure change and if you're actually doing things correctly. So, so let's tackle this then from a, from a different perspective, Nathan, which is you know, a lot of people will say, you know, cost should be easier. The billing's too complex. I mean, you mentioned, you know, billions of rows of data about my billing. It, it why is it why is it like this um i and it sort of frustrates me a little bit when people should say it should be really really easy as i mentioned before this is a big data problem you know companies are trying to get as much data as they can because it gives them insight we've got great you know things like ai ml tools great analytics tools which are so easily accessible to to people now if you want to have change in your organization to change every little thing that you can you need the data so i think by saying it should be really really easy is really talking down the actual problem it is a challenging problem because it's a big data problem but when you approach it in that right mindset the right tools with the right people it's not that big of a challenge you know all you need is a person with some pretty basic database knowledge, the right analytics tools, and you can access those billions of rows of data very easily, very quickly with really low cost. So I think it is. it has typically been a bigger problem, but we've now really got that tooling to be able to give the insights to the change. Now, Billing is easy. You get you know, a bill every month, you pay the bill. Billing is simple. It's cost and usage analysis that is the much bigger thing because it can drive so much benefit. So yeah, it is a big task, but we've got the tools, we've got the knowledge, you know, we've got things like the well-architected labs that'll guide you through this step by step. Uh, so we're now at a much better place for customers to really be able to do this well. And I think it, you, know, you talked about tooling and I guess there's a continuum of tooling because uh you know, if you, if you want to create that really robust feedback loop through development products and um, and and finance, you know, you can get into the absolute guts of all the billing data. You have it all. So like you say, you can create your, your data lake and do all that cool stuff, but you don't have to. Um, you can just use the cost optimizer. You can use um, the, the budgets tool, you know, lots of GUI-based tools as well. So you can kind of choose your own adventure as to the level of detail you want to go to. Absolutely. We've definitely got third-party partners as well. We work a lot with them and, and they provide some awesome products. Uh, and I typically get asked, you know, what is the best way to do it and what's the best product to use? And that really comes down to what makes the most sense to you. One product may give one particular customer great insights and great actionable tasks and another product may not. 
for another customer, you could reverse those. So have definitely assess the tools that are out there. Start with the AWS tools, things like Cost Explorer, you mentioned things like budgets, Compute Optimizer, Trusted Advisor. Start with those and then definitely assess, you know, whether or not you want to build some more using um, Athena and QuickSight to build custom dashboards with AWS native tooling, or definitely look at partner solutions as well. Analyze them, have a look, have a play with them, see what works best for you, what gives you the best actions and outcomes, and yeah, use that tool. And a bit of a shout out for Trusted Advisor there. I mean, it has checks identifying things that, you know, talking about turning things off that you could save money or, or save money on a, on a savings plan or reserved instance, just quietly ticking away telling you, hey, there's an opportunity here. So uh, if you haven't looked in Trusted Advisor lately, you should. Now, Nath, let me, let me ask you to, uh, to put your future seeing goggles on, um, patent pending, uh, and, and look forward five to 10 years. What, what do you think cost optimization will look like in IT? Yeah, so I think um, look at where we are with security, and it needs to be, and it's going to go towards that. And we're seeing definitely a lot of movement towards that as well. There's going to have to be, you know, sitting at your exec level, there's going to be some sort of cloud financial management, C-level person. There's going to be integration of cloud financial management, cost optimization in all the business processes. You know, in IT, security is everyone's job. In the cloud, cost optimization, cloud financial management is everyone's job. That's where we need to get to. And I think over time that's going to happen. It is going to take a bit of time. We're now seeing the emergence of things like the FinOps Foundation and a lot of certifications and education. So there's now, if you ask a person, go and hire somebody to do this, well, what education, what qualifications? We're now starting to see those pop up. So actually getting some qualifications, some courses around cloud financial management and cost optimization. Uh, and, and start to really build that out. So you can hire people dedicated to this job. I think that's what we're going to get to eventually is, is that there will be next to the ops dashboard in the office on your desktop, there's going to be a cost dashboard. There's going to be an efficiency dashboard. If something, the efficiency of the system drops overnight, when a change happens, an alarm fires, people get woken up. Why did our efficiency drop? What happened? Uh, we're sort of going to move much more towards doing this as a proper dedicated domain exactly as we do security operations uh, in, in much the same manner. So let's then wind it back from the future. Let's, let's zone back into the, into the present. What can customers do today? Apart from the goals and targets, and that's one thing I'd really, really, really focus on, you know, the biggest, most important thing is to set some goals and targets. If you want your workloads to increase in efficiency, you need to state that to your people. This is the way that the business, the direction of the business is going. We want our workloads to you know, increase in efficiency by 5% every six months and then build some programs around that. Um, I think in terms of the biggest impact is really hiring a person to do this. The biggest change I've seen across, and if you look at all the customers we put on stage at reInvent and talk about, all the big guys, you know, Atlassians, your Netflixes, your Intuits, they've got somebody doing this. They've got dedicated people to doing cost optimization, cloud financial management. So I think that's going to be the thing. Every organization needs a dedicated resource to doing this. And the interesting thing is, it's going to pay itself off really quickly. Every dollar that you invest, you naturally get back a lot of that, if not more than you invest. So I think definitely investing in people 
get somebody actually looking at this. If you're a large enterprise, absolutely a dedicated person. If you're much smaller, maybe a dedicated day a week or fortnight, but make sure that they do it uh, and make sure that investment's made by the business in this domain. Yeah, some good tips there. And excited to see what customers think of the uh, the new well-architected pillar for cost optimization. And hey, Nathan, thanks for coming on the show and uh, telling us all about it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Simon. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.